Introduction I saw Sid Barrett playing live just the once. It was the now infamous stars at Cambridge Corn Exchange gig in February 1972, when Sid's short-lived music career was in its final stages, and the thirty or so people who were there were bearing witness to the wake. Not that it seemed like that to me at the time. I was seventeen and starry-eyed, and there he was a few feet in front of me. I wrote a suitably starry-eyed review of the performance for the fan magazine Terrapin. We didn't call them fanzines then, not realising at the time that it would constitute the last ever review of a Sid Barrett gig. Although I didn't know that it was all over for Sid, I had by then already realised that it was all over for the sixties. I'd pressed my nose up to the sweet shop window of the underground often enough to realise that there was nothing much going on inside. The goods had gone bad the sweets gone sour. Whichever analogy you want to use, it was pretty clear by 1972 that some sort of dream was over. What I didn't realise for many years was that for Sid Barrett it was pretty much over from the moment it started. That man I saw on top of the pops three weeks in a row in the summer of 1967, in his tight Hendrix perm and his pop star clothes, had already fallen out of love with the idea of pop stardom. Most people didn't know half of the story then, and I didn't know any of it. As someone who only entered his teens at the tail end of 1967, Pop, to me, was a magical other world. I'm glad I was twelve during the summer of love. Had I been born ten years earlier, I might have been a blues bore, or one of those purists who thought the Beatles sold out the moment they came back from Hamburg. Ten years younger, and I'd have been getting all my knowledge of the sixties as hand-me-downs and received wisdom. As it was, turning twelve at the end of 1966 meant that I moved from Alice in Wonderland and Wind in the Willows to Strawberry Fields and See Emily Play in what seemed like the twinkling of an eye. English psychedelia was part of my Arcadia, my first musical exotica, and that sense-memory with its multitude of evocations has never left me. It also means I have first-hand recollections of at least some of what I'm writing about. I remember seeing Pink Floyd perform Apples and Oranges on the hip TV show Come Here Often, and the earnest discussions at school the next day as everyone but me decreed that it wasn't as good as C. Emily Play. I remember a neighbour of mine going to see the band at the newly opened Caesar's Palace in Bedford. They were billed in the Bed's Courier as Pink Lloyd and complaining that they just played two long instrumentals and didn't perform the hits. I remember listening to Sid's last-ever session with the band on John Peel's Top Gear on New Year's Eve 1967, in my bedroom through a blizzard of bad medium-wave reception on a tiny, tinny transistor radio, which is how most of us experienced the oral splendour of the sixties. I scribbled down the session's song titles, none of which were yet on record, and two of which still aren't, and one of which seemed, as far as I could tell, to be called Jock Van Blues. Soon after that radio session, Sid's pop life, like my weak PP2 batteries, seemed to go flat, and would soon fizzle out altogether. Comets burn bright before expiring, and they exhibit lengthy trails. The trails of Comet Sid showered all over the early seventies, and the second half of my teens— I grew up twenty miles from Cambridge and know its geography and its psychogeography intimately. A great deal of my misspent youth was misspent there, 
astral travelling across Parker's Peace, going to free concerts in Grantchester Meadows, wandering in the backs and the shadowed cloisters of the colleges, attempting to gate-crash May balls, drifting through the maze-like lanes where every second building seemed to be a bookshop belching out its surplus wares onto the pavement. Give or take the odd hideous shopping complex, it is still recognisably the same place it was in the early seventies. That's the sixteen-seventies, of course. Cambridge is a small place, and it was even smaller in the early seventies. Sid's unfulfilled early promise and dreams abandoned seemed to hover over the city like a spectral presence. You didn't have to go very far to find someone who knew him or had known him. "'Oh, you're into Sid Barrett, are you?' someone said to me in a pub one night in 1973. "'See that guy at the bar? He taught Sid at Tech College.' I made a beeline for the bar. Casual conversation ensued, none of which I can remember. I wasn't writing a book then, although in a way I've been writing...